0: Rick Madison here, Rick and friends. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. And uh, today we have uh, a man who's been around the community for a long, long time. He's farmed. He's uh, coached basketball. He's uh, he's great with pruning trees. I know that firsthand. Um, but uh, welcome to the big show, Doug Sperling. Thanks for having me. So, Doug, we, we have a lot of stuff to cover. Obviously, uh, we just came off the heels of a wonderful Hoopla fundraiser at, uh, at the college. Now, just tell me a little bit about why we are raising the funds for this worthwhile venture. I mean, it's I, I, I want to understand, and I think the listeners do too, uh, they've heard about it, I'm sure. Um, but why did we have this fundraiser? What, what were the funds for? As you probably heard in some other broadcasts you've
1: done with Dino and and, uh, maybe several other people, Helen uh, Jackman. Anyway, we're a self-funded program. So although we are called the Okanagan College Coyotes, um, we have a relationship with the college um, that allows us to use their umbrella and play in the college league, which is PacWest, which is part of the Canadian College Athletic Association. Um, But... Uh, we need to raise our own funds. So it's self-funded um, to this point we we don't have a on-campus facility. So it goes towards uh, facility rentals, um, equipment, travel, and some assist to our players when we can. So it's, it's critical, the, the community involvement and the community assistance to allow us to keep this program going. So That's a big part of what we did last night with um, our Hoopla event. Uh, We haven't been able to have a face-to-face, in-person event for two years. So it was just a great opportunity to get our past sponsors and hopefully some future sponsors together to um, just to um, talk to each other and for us to get an opportunity to show them what we're doing and expose them to some of our... Players and um, yeah, hopefully just have a fun evening. And and having uh, Brad Fay there was just a bonus. Um, was great to have him and just as a personality and somebody who's that we knew from days gone by in Kelowna. And have him there to tell stories and uh, yeah, help us with our program. It was it was really a nice evening. Thank you.
0: I loved I loved his uh, interview with Russell Westbrook when uh, <laughs> he said. She's playing back-to-back nights uh, during the regular season. That must must remind you of the uh, playoffs. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, um, well, well, I guess maybe then uh, you know this this would be a, a good practice for you or, or whatever. And and, uh, and Russell said, "What did I say on the first question?" And uh, okay, thanks very much, Russell. I appreciate your time. But it, it uh, Brad Faye's got. You know, lots, lots of great story. We had him on uh, the sh- the show yeah. and he was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guest. Um, so it's a bunch of heavy lifting for you and, and Dino, especially when it comes to like the college does not have fundamentally a gym. So you decided years ago, you know, this basketball program. And, and I really do believe you guys willed it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good good phrase I mean um I mean Dino had the idea
1: and um, went ahead and talked to the college and made arrangements for it in the meantime he recruited me I mean we've been friends for probably close to 35 years and coached together and and uh, and whatnot through those years and he said gee Doug, this is what I'm doing and um come and help me <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, me being me, I just said, yeah, that's a really good idea. Let's go do this. So it's, it's been, yeah, I mean, we've, we've. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, through the last year, Dino's done a whole lot more of the heavy lifting um, as far as recruiting and looking after practices and, 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 and. and. Um, but yeah, we've been in, been in this for a while and um, it, it is truly, I mean, um He's, you know, he was a driving force, and unfortunately, he's become more the driving force again. But um, for all the right reasons, I think um, if anybody was there last night and had an opportunity to meet some of these young men and women, you realize that, yeah, I mean, these young men and women really are really neat people. Um, they love their sport. Um, they want to go to school. They want to be in Kelowna. You know, and and what better way to do this? So, um, I, you know, we're I think we're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and hopefully over time that, um, you know, the facility will happen. Um, I think there's a whole lot of people in the community would certainly like to see it happen. And, and I honestly believe that the college would like to see something like that happen. So it's just time. So same old story. If you're long enough in the same place, um, things change. So
0: we'll see what happens. So let's let's go back to um, your comment about Dino doing more of the heavy lifting. I mean, you had a very momentous game uh where something happened to you and 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 i know that this is an uncomfortable subject but uh just tell me about the game and and what happened
1: um well if anybody's watched kent's um interview with dino and i they'll have some idea but anyway it was um, back on in january um we were playing cmosin college and um yeah, I just all of a sudden things went sideways on me. And um I said to the coach, um, Brent Ross, who was sitting next to me, I said, Brent, I need help and I need it right now. And um that's when sort of everything stopped and a whole lot of people jumped into help um mode. And um, you know, fortunately there was some first responders in the gym and everybody else sort of jumped on board and got me to the hospital as quickly as they could and Again, Kelowna being Kelowna, and um, we're so fortunate. Uh, the talented people that were there um, basically saved my life. So, um, uh, Dr. Pusasada looked after me and did the surgery. And um, yeah, if it wasn't for the staff and the and the whole uh, program at um, the hospital, I can't even imagine. So it was uh, opportune that it happened where it did, and. Um, here I am. So yeah. So what what fundamentally happened though? What what happened to to you? Um, I, I had what's called an aortic dissection. So uh, which means that um, you know it's full open heart. They go in. Um, they had to do a valve replacement, replace part of my aorta, and um, do a whole lot of uh, other things along the way. Which I I don't know all of the other details. But along with that, um, unfortunately, I got a stroke that took away part of my right side of my body. And, um, you know, the upside is that it didn't affect my speech or my thinking or anything else. But I've spent the last eight months learning how to walk again and use the right side of my body and all of that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's it's been, um, you know, more of life's little challenges. So here we go.
0: So it was good on you to to realize, though, that you had something was going on. And I think calling for help. And I think a lot of people could learn from You know, if you were experiencing the symptoms and we've all seen the ads, but I mean, for you to fundamentally go through that and say, there's something not quite right here and I need help. I mean, a lot of people, I think, just panic and, and internalize it and then they end up in a much different scenario.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? It, it's looking back on it and you, you know, I've got memories of some stuff, but not the other stuff. I don't know why I did that. I, other than things started to go black and I just realized that something wasn't right. And, um, fortunately, like I said, having, uh, Brent beside me, um, he, he reacted right away and that was, that was huge. But you're right. I think, um, um, knowing when and why <laughs> I didn't know the why part, but I knew something wasn't right. And you, you, yeah, you better reach out. And, um, like I say, it's it, if it would have happened anywhere else, I mean, uh, my wife and I are active skiers and hikers and all of that kind of stuff, but for it to happen at, at the gym, uh, at Quigley, um, meant, yeah, I, I had a chance. So mm-hmm. there you go. You know, it was, um, um, people are awesome. I think when you, when you need them, um, it's amazing how people step up and are willing to help. Um,
0: and a lot of people help, believe me. Well, you're a nice guy. Like, <laughs> I would want to save you too. <laughs> uh, but I think the the one thing that I'm, and especially on this show, and you've probably heard the Jeff Cox uh, podcast, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are critical of the healthcare system. So it's it's so wonderful uh, when, when we have, and, and you're right, we have talented people. First responders are just some of the the best in the world, and they they have empathy, and they're doing everything they can within a structure that, you know, we talk about the flawed part, but but it's not them; it's it's the system that we're trying to, uh, I guess, be critical of. So it's so nice when we hear wonderful stories like yours, where things happen and the the way they did, and the timeliness of them, and the, and the critical care happened when it should have, and. Those are just wonderful stories that I want to rally behind as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like I say, they're they're such
1: talented people. I um, and when it comes to critical care and everything else, I they're absolutely amazing. You know, they really are. There, I think we're again um, for all the people that did all the background work in Kelowna from the early days to encourage these people to come here and build these programs. And I mean, I. I If I name names, I I won't get them all right, but we know who they are and and they've worked very hard and we're so, so fortunate. My goodness, it's it's um, we have some very, very talented people in this town.
0: So let's talk about people and let's talk about talented people. Now, through the the Coyotes basketball program, men and ladies, um, I want to talk because as a as someone who was lucky enough to teach last year at the college, I had a couple of uh, basketball students in my class. And uh, it's interesting how they balance that—that that, you know the practice schedule and the game schedule, as well as try and stay abreast of their studies. That kind of thing is uh, w- with you and Dino. Did you have an idea of of just how this program was going to build such better humans? Because I met a you know, like I said, I I got to spend time with them. These are fundamentally good people, and. It, was that part of the reason why you have such a passion for this program? Was you just wanted to give, you wanted to give them the structure and and the game and and really build in and family is such a big part of this as well. I see that emblazoned on the the shirts last night a lot.
1: Yeah, it's all of the above. I think that um, one is to provide the opportunity, and I think for a, for a lot of these young men and women, um, you know, they're um, these are not for the most part. I mean, they all need financial help. They, a lot of, you know, they, they most of them have jobs. Um, they, so they're balancing a really busy practice schedule, which is at least five days a week, you know, plus all of the uh, other training that they may do um, at the in the weight rooms, et cetera. Um, plus some of them may have jobs and they gotta pass the courses. I mean, in order to be eligible, you gotta do your schoolwork. So, I mean, when you talk about uh, a full schedule, I mean, these young people have an absolute full schedule. We do not, you know, and that's that's the other part of it at the college. I mean, um, unlike what happens in NCAA and across the border, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of money that's given to these uh, young men and women to play their sport. We don't have that. So, um, you know, they obviously have to love their sport a lot. Um, and um want, you know, realizing that they're going to have to do the amount of work that they have to do to be able to succeed in both. So it's, um, it's always the hope. I think that we feel that we've got great people. Um, You know, as I always say to to people that I come across and want to talk about the program, I said, these young men and women are part of the solution. They're not part of the problem. These are young people that will do all of the volunteer things and they're they're going to help you know to make this world a better place going forward because hopefully we've given them an example and secondly they have a work ethic and and I think that's so important I mean if you're not prepared to work you're not going to be here you know um so you know, again and I think we've had obviously young men and women after a year or two realize holy moly this is like way more than i ever thought it would be and i can't do it all yeah, so yeah. you know they'll They'll step aside or say thank you very much it's been a wonderful experience and off they go but again they go away with i hopefully with some great memories and some great contacts and all of that kind of stuff going forward i think the other part of our program is they have to be out in the community because they all have to not only do they have to play and and work and study but they've also got to find some money for us um, so each one of these young men and women have got to go out and find fifteen hundred dollars worth of advertising, or if they got somebody that's prepared to cut a check for them, that's that's okay, too. So they're out in the community. they're they have to shake hands. They have to meet people. So, for a lot of them, that's a first time experience, which again, I mean, we've all been there. I think that sort of the first time I had to go out in the community and just, you know, cold call somebody just because, boy, oh boy, that was a hard thing to do. But as we all know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I think these young people are finding that as well.
0: There was a fellow, uh, I can't remember, but I mean, on, on both sides, but there's been probably some people that have come along that have worked very hard and have actually immersed themselves in the community and they've, they're have they making impact every single day. Um, any any stories you can share with us of, of, of really graduates of the program that, just fundamentally, they just they took the tools that you gave them, and maybe it's not even basketball. Maybe it's just in life, but they've they've come on to 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 do more. I guess
1: um, specific examples aren't popping into my head right now, but I mean we certainly had all, um, Curtis Wilson would probably be a great example. I mean Curtis came to us. I mean he uh, had played at several other schools before he came here. Uh, he, he stuck in Kelowna, uh, he's one of the hardest working young men you'll ever come across. And um, he's um, finally, you know, he did a, um, a teacher's aid program and he's now in the in the system, but he's coaching, he's helping people, he's coaching with, within the school, plus he's helping with the club program, plus all of those things. I mean, it's just, those things just bring a smile to your face every time you see him and whatever else, because he's so passionate and, um, just another just terrific young man. I mean, he's he's just great. Anyway, it's those kind of guys are just, yeah. Make
0: your heart glad. It's it's interesting because as a parent, you know, sometimes we we try to balance the, the hard work and and obviously the support with our children. To, to make them into better humans. We don't want them... To, they want them to be assets to society. So what I find interesting about the OC Coyotes program is, you, is you're basically saying to them, if it is to be, it's up to you. <laughs> like, really, yep. you have to work hard in practice. You have to work hard in games, obviously. And you also have to get the sponsorship component, however that looks. Oh, you also have to get a job, probably. And you also have to pass, uh, you know, your courses. Yep. So if you throw that amount of adversity at someone what comes out is a pretty good human i think because that's like a diamond like the more pressure that's how they come out and and i really do believe in the program because nothing is handed to them nothing is given away and 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 they i think they appreciate it more
1: I think you're right. I think that it's, um, yeah, as I said earlier, I think that there's some people rise to that occasion and some people will fall away because they just think it's just way too much. Um, But you're absolutely right. I mean, it forces them to time manage. And I think in a lot of cases, um, they haven't had to time manage. If they've just left home, you know, maybe somebody at home has looked after that for them for <laughs> for a good part of their life. So all of a sudden you're throwing this. and um, yeah, I, I you know, we've seen that. We've seen them struggle at first, I mean, which is natural. And um, but when they rise to the occasion, it's, like I said, it just makes your heart glad because you just know, yep, they're gonna do just fine. Thank you very much. And whatever life throws at them, you know they they hopefully have picked up a few skills along the way and are and are going to be able to deal with it and I think it's yeah I mean as I always or the, the phrase I use it's at the end of the day it's all about survival so you've got to figure about figure a way to survive and you, hopefully we've given them some of those skills and and um and the camaraderie that goes with it so it's not just them so it's not like you're isolated doing this I mean all your buddies are in the same situation so you get to look at you know, the guy next to you, is he doing okay? If he's doing okay, then what the heck? You know, I'm pretty sure I can step up to the plate and I'm going to be okay too. So, you mentioned earlier the concept of family. So, I think when we talk about family, that's a lot of it. You know, you can look to your left and look to your right, and there's somebody there that'll give you a hand. And um, I think that, um, you know, the coaches in the program and, you know, um, Dino's emphasized it and I've emphasized it right from the beginning. You want help? We'll help you. You know, we'll do what we can. I mean, we can't give you everything, but where you show a willingness, and we're going to be there. We'll we'll find you a job if we can, because we know you're a good person. We'll you know, if you need help in the classroom, we'll find you a tutor. You know, we'll we'll do the things that we can do. But at the end of the day, it's about you stepping up to the plate. So you're absolutely correct. I mean, it, it's um, it's a lot of stuff to juggle, but it's it's great to see them do it. And I think if they can get through it, I mean, life will maybe be a little bit easier
0: going forward, we hope. I'm uh, back in a bit with uh, Doug Sperling, a big part of the OC Coyotes program. Okay, we're we're back, and I wanted to chat with you, Doug. I mean, you're one of those people that's uh, that's been around a long time. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I'm one of those rare guys. Like I guess we call ourselves unicorns a little bit in that yeah, I'm born in 1950 in Kelowna, and we've seen Kelowna go from riding the ferry to building a bridge to tearing it down and building another one to, you know, and as I say to people, I mean, I mean, my wife and I, are, and she's also born and raised here, but we grew up when there was like 10,000 people in Kelowna. So we've seen a lot of change, you know, some really positive um, and some that, yeah, a little bit tougher to take, but... You know that's you know I used to say the price of progress. I mean, um, you know I often looked at my grandfather, who I grew up with, and he he was born here in 1888 and died in 1987. But you know he watched you know from going from a coal oil lamp to electricity to watch them put a man on the moon. So, I mean, if he can if he could deal with change, I'm sure we can as well. But it's just you know as we keep saying, find a way to do it right and hopefully works for the most people. Anyway. The joys well, of being around for a while. That's all.
0: But I love it though. Like you, you are truly one of those people that has has seen um, massive change, massive growth. Is there, with a municipal election coming up, and that's why it, it's my lead-in. By the way, um, they call it the media business is the lead-in. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to to find out from your perspective: Is there? is there any kind of characteristics or traits that you you really want the the elected officials to have? Like, is there any kind of, and, and you might, they might mirror some of the things you look for in students for the basketball program, I'm thinking, but is there any, any traits that you would love to see? Um,
1: I think first and foremost, do your homework. I think that, you know, when you realize what council deals with on a weekly basis, um, there is an awful pile of information that comes their way. And I do I follow it in in a lot of detail? No, but I do follow certainly things that I'm interested in in detail, and it you just wonder um, if they're managing to get through all the details to make the decisions that have to be made going forward. Um, you know we all know that they're getting lobbied on a regular basis. you know that's just the way the system works. Um, I mean, it, it's I think it's having the ability to step back. Um, having the ability to to do your homework, really know what is going on, you know, is, you know, there is an agenda, but is there another agenda? I mean, do we do we need we need to know those kinds of things, or you should, you know, the the council members should know those things. Um, are all if all the things that happened in this town been good for this town? I don't think so. I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, we've gone very quickly. Um, there's a lot of you know. I mean. Um, Speed isn't always a good thing, you know. (laughs) And I think there's, you know, when you look at the problems associated with that, it's, would it have been nice to step back a little bit and slow it down? Yeah. Um, Is that always possible? No. Um, But it's, um, you know, I think it's it's the price of progress. I mean, we keep saying those sorts of things. Um, Having grown up, like I said, when the town was small and we spent so much time downtown, you know, because that's where everything happened. Uh, You know, when Capri was built, you know, we thought, oh, my goodness, that's so far out of town, you know, and and then, you know, when Orchard Park came later and all of that stuff out the highway. But do I go downtown anymore? Nope, I don't. You know, and and I think if I talk to a lot of people, say my demographic, I said, how do you feel about going downtown? They said, no, you know, I really it's not what it was or it's not what I want when I go down there or whatever. It's again, back to the. You know the the price of change and um
0: and, and with with downtown uh i mean we have numerous uh initiatives going on downtown like the uh the new ubco campus
1: <laughs> yep um yeah i'm not sure about that one i think um you know i've looked at it um uh, i you know f- for if it was specific to um a faculty and and that a student could could count on doing all of their courses at that location but i one things i would look at as a student i'm thinking first of all you know somebody living downtown trying to get out to the north campus is a total pain in the butt to get out there on a regular basis so now you you know you throw in the the possibility that you're going to have a course or two downtown and but you're still going to have to get out to the campus out there where am i going to live you know all of those kinds of things i don't know you know i think when simon fraser moved downtown in vancouver there was a good reason for that i mean people couldn't get out to burnaby and they could pick up some of the courses i mean some of that stuff works i'm not sure at this point whether it's a great idea to start mixing it up and splitting it up and expecting students to You know, it's, you know, maybe it's going to be a a wonderful building and wonderful space. But from a student point of view, I'm thinking, holy moly, I'd be certainly trying to find a way that would say that I better be one or the other because I sure can't afford to be traveling back and forth. You know, those kinds of things, the logistics, um, the cost of living downtown, you know, um, I mean, as we all knew, I mean, we're with some of our athletes dealing with trying to help them find accommodation And now we're talking about full market value for those spaces downtown. I don't know how realistic that is for for students. Um, I think there's just a whole lot of things that, I mean, I would be having second thoughts on before I would be endorsing that kind of stuff. Um, And and anyway, it's um, maybe at some point in the future. I personally don't think we're there yet,
0: but that's... And, and let's talk about that the, because I mean obviously you you are firsthand knowledge of affordable housing. And I was at the uh, mayoral forum last night where they were asking questions about, you know what what would you like to see and and how would you like to see it? And and affordable housing is one of those things that is is really, really difficult to. it's a complex issue. It, it's got a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different players involved. And when you look at it, and and you're someone who's uh I mean, Kelowna back, I don't know, let's say fifty years ago, uh, was priced differently than it is in twenty twenty two. And and I'm looking at a piece of dirt in Kelowna. So you have you have to have foundation, you have to have development permits, you have to tie into sewer and you know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. There's paying for people to build your home. There is construction materials. There is, And you start thinking about how fundamentally do we start creating an affordable housing given the fact we have inflationary pressures, given the fact that Kelowna is a very desirable place to live. And it it almost seems too mammoth of a problem for us to to be able to fund on a municipal level to deal with affordable housing and maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but any thoughts on, on how we're going to even create this? I agree
1: with you. It's a, it's a massive problem, problem with no simple answers. Um, But when, when we look at, you know, the people that we're encouraging to come to Kelowna based on the prices of the, of the places that they're buying, whether it be condos or homes, it certainly doesn't suggest that these are going to be your average, blue collar if i can use that term working person who can come here you know so where do they where do they get to live i mean you know we all know that we need them god knows we need them in this town to do all of the work that needs to be done but you know again you you another component is they've they've got to travel you know from somewhere out on the outskirts of town and i don't know where that is where it's even that much more affordable so you you know, going forward, you really wonder, um, where are these people gonna come from? What are the people doing that can afford to to purchase these homes and live here? And um, I mean, it it says to me, no matter what you look at, as you point out, the site servicing, the construction costs, all of that kind of stuff, all of that whole process says that no matter what, it's gonna be social housing of some sort. And there's going to be a component of subsidy that goes along with it. Now, where does that subsidy come from? Well, you know, <laughs> exactly. you know, it, 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 it again, the problem just gets bigger and bigger. I mean, um, again, growing up in Kelowna, I mean, we looked at the north end of town um, through the you know um, through the 50s and 60s. I mean, and sort of those years, the immigrant people that came to town, um, they you know, they worked in the packing houses, they worked at what's Sunripe, they worked at the sawmill, they they took all of those kinds of jobs. So th- those little North End homes were affordable. I mean, we went to school with all those kids, um, you know, played sports with them, everything else. And, um, you know, that's, that's what it was. I mean, it, it, but that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you think about purchasing a, purchasing a home in what I would call the old North End of town on the other side of Bernard. Holy moly. It's, it's, a, it's yeah, uh, they're as expensive as anywhere else. So, you know, do we have areas like that? No, we don't. I mean, and, and whether you know people would live in Winfield or what's now Lake Country, or you know there was there was areas in in the Rutland area that were lower cost and you know that kind of stuff, but all of a sudden it's it's all become high cost. I mean, I, so well, isn't
0: there new housing uh, being created at uh, at Okanagan College as well? Um, there, there is some student housing that's being built right now as
1: we speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the, I guess, the west end of the campus. Um, Is it enough? No. I mean, they need a heck of a lot more. Um, I mean, what we're doing with our basketball program is actually trying to find billets, you know, because that seems to be the most reasonable um, approach to finding people a place to say they're prepared to, you know, rent a bedroom and and maybe feed them or provide an opportunity, you know, uh, access to a kitchen facility or that sort of thing. That's it seems to be one of the things we're looking for, but it's also, you know, again, finding willing people that are prepared to take on a student for, you know, the eight or nine months a year it is, and, and and those sorts of things. But that doesn't solve the problem for the average working family, you know, where mom and dad work and the kids are going to school and that sort of thing. So, I mean, you know, that that doesn't do anything for them. I, yeah, I think as you, when we started this conversation, said it's a complex issue and um with no simple answers um i think that you know at one point they were looking at um social housing having a component of every development in this town that would have a percentage of units that would be lower cost units that would that the developer would set aside um, put whatever covenants were necessary on them to be able to retain those values and give people an opportunity i don't know what's happened to that i think you know some of that Makes sense Um, yeah I mean it's but it but it takes the whole community I think um, my wife had uh, had the opportunity to travel a number of years ago and we end up in in France and in Bordeaux City and we ended up with a long conversation with a young lady that was taking us around and she just said in Bordeaux we will find a solution and it was one of the, it was a beautiful city, but it was a, one of the cities that we came across that did not have people on the street. They had found a way um, to find accommodation for these people and look after them. And I thought, you know, good on you. And I think, you know, at one point Portland was trying to do that. They, they were given recognition for the things that they were doing. But again, as this lady pointed out to us, it's complex. Uh, everybody's got to be on side, you know, the whole community, not just part of it, not just the group that's trying to look after these people, but the entire community has got to say, yes, we will do this. And yes, we will find a solution no matter what demographic you fall into. And I think, you know, first and foremost, I think that has to happen. You have to have a, a
0: willingness. And, um, you
1: know, you, I think you'd be surprised what can happen.
0: So it's it's interesting that uh, as we look across the world, I mean, obviously, this is not a problem just associated with Kelowna, I mean, many other regions across the planet have experienced, you know, attractive locales that people want to live in. And so you're saying they kind of collectively came together and said, this is something we need to, uh, you know, address as a group. And and we're going to actually create housing in the city or in the center that all of us are going to partner in—is that what happened, or that that seemed
1: to be the approach? That that's the impression that I got from talking to these people, and it seemed to work. They just said every building had a component mm-hmm. of um, for people that you know that uh, um, had financial issues, you know, right. it, it, as far as housing was concerned, and and that definitely was the approach. So, um, but again, like I say, it takes you know whether. The other people in the building have got to pay a little bit more to uh, facilitate that or whether, you know, uh, you know, there, there has to be, like I said, this entire willingness, you know, saying that, yes, it's important. I think that um, the one thing that we all want is not to have people on the street, not to have people, you know, I think that the communities that, that can make that happen, I mean, we all feel safer. We feel, I think we can feel good about it. Um, but again, is it complex? Of course it is. I mean, not all of these people necessarily want a place to live or whatever else. So it's you know, that when you talk about the the um, the number of organizations that have to get involved to try and help these people and find find solutions, yeah, it's it, like back to my earlier comment, I think it takes a willingness by the entire community to say, let's find a solution. and and I think that you know it, on that basis, I think you, Potentially, can make it happen,
0: and and that's interesting too. Is is a lot of people that have been on the program actually are, are are going to be sitting there going well, and naysayers of course saying, well, who gets that? Like, who has first access to that? Do they uh, do they have to work in a certain sector of, of the city? Do we have to get their financial records in order for them to qualify? And and you start getting into a little bit of a rab- rabbit hole. But I think you're right though. We we have to start somewhere. Like we we have to start with with an idea or a thought and then start working towards that, because as you said, even the student housing on, on Okanagan College campus will never, ever be enough for the students that are attending there. And the other thought is is stats that I'm hearing about from secondary institutions around Kelowna is a lot of the people that graduate here stay here. So it's it's actually a wonderful place for for to foster that growth of people that have got, you know, diplomas and degrees and tradespeople and all these wonderful people. So it's just interesting from my perspective of you have this massive issue. And that's why I ask just about everybody how on earth are we going to get out of this? Because you uh Ramitusi said we're in the jet stream for the world. Everybody wants to live here. And and now with that is great. But it also has a double-edged sword. So,
1: and, and I think again, having lived here, I mean, I sound like the old man of the mountain, but you know, when they when the Hope Princeton was built, and then when the Rogers Pass was built, and and all of that sort of thing, people discovered us and realized, you know, I mean, uh, why did my great grandparents and grandparents move here? Well, they realized that it was a Pretty amazing place to live. I mean, you know, with the four seasons and all of the things we get to grow and eat and um, all of the amenities that, you know, we that have accrued to us over time. So is that going to stop? No, I agree with you. It's not stopping. Uh, And I don't know if we, you know, we can't necessarily become the Carmel of of British Columbia where you just close the doors and say this is all there is here. And, you know, if you can't afford it, go away. Um, I don't think that's what we are or who we are. Um, so, it, again, I just say that it's a huge problem that involves everyone. And, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I agree with what Ron Matuzzi has said. It's, it just seems to be amping up. And, and unfortunately, I think the, the, the development, a lot of developers, I won't say all of them, but a lot of developers are realizing, yep, yeah, this is our opportunity to take advantage of this jet stream and that the people that want to move here you know, they're going to bring money and, yeah. and, and here's the price. And this is the price of admittance and um, take it or leave it. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the social issues that that we're having to deal with, unfortunately, I think, get sort of set off to the side um, until they become a problem <laughs> to maybe those people that once they get here. So and then people say, holy smokes, like what just happened? This isn't what I signed up for. Now, why don't you do something about it? So and it would be, would be nice in advance of that, to actually have people get together and and um, attempt to find a solution, and I think, as you point out, it's got to start somewhere. Is it going to be a perfect solution from the get go? I don't think so. But I think it's it's an attempt to
0: find a solution that 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 matters right now. So, as somebody who uh, was very much part of the agricultural area, yeah. Um, And you have ALR, which always, always, always sneaks into these conversations. So you would have a very interesting viewpoint when it comes to we have all this land, again, which is part of our food security, which is, you know, obviously come more apparent with the Ukraine crisis. But we also have... Um, and, and it's part of the beauty. I mean, it's part of the wondrous nature that is, is Kelowna when you drive, when I drive from Springfield to the lower mission and you pass all this green mm-hmm. space, it is phenomenal how much we have. Do you have any thoughts about maybe ALR as part of that component of, of being able to solve this? I'll go back a little ways, probably 1974. I was one of the people that
1: screamed and yelled and hollered that, um, you know, the ALR was a bad thing. Um, I've come a full 180 on that. I think the ALR is a very good thing. I think that when it's gone, it's gone. You know, people can suggest that you can turn it back into farmland. That's not reality. I think there's enough land. I mean, when you look at the Okanagan, which is this funny little finger of land that sticks up above the 49th parallel that that grows and does the things that it does, it's amazing. There's nowhere else in the world like this. Um, do we want that to go away? No, we don't. But I think, you know, you only have to go a very short distance out of town where, you know, the wonderful peaches or grapes or apples or the things that you could grow here, you can't do that over there. And it, it makes no sense. So, you know, the, the the same comment. I think you have to, you know, looking at it on that basis, the ALR is here to stay. It's not going away. I don't think any government in their right mind would say, no. Nope, we're going to flush this and and start over. So you have to really look at what is available, right? Does that mean there's an increased cost of servicing? Yeah, there is. Is there some increased costs associated with using those lands in a better way? Yes, there is, but let's get on with it. I think that, that um, I mean, some of those things are already happening. Um, I think that um, anybody that's bought a piece of ALR land as a developer and decides he's gonna develop it in the near future, it's not gonna happen. I, I think that things have tightened up to the extent that um, yeah, it's here to stay. So let's take advantage of it. You know, let's, let's use it in the right way. I think that, you know, as you say, food security is pretty important. Um, the Okanagan grows some amazing, amazing things. It really does. I mean, it, it's, um, what did, what did you grow? Oh, I grew grapes. So I was table grapes and wine grapes for, yeah, uh, like 40 years of it and, and grew up with it at home. So probably more than that. So, and I was involved in the Grape Growers Association for thirty odd years in the marketing board and all of those kinds of things through those times, and so saw lots of changes, lots of pressures, lots of things that have, um, you know, um, forced change in the industry. Um, a lot of good things have happened. I mean, there's a lot of pretty amazing um, wines that are produced in our region now, and and uh, along with a whole lot of other stuff. But I think you know you again, that's another topic, when you talk about in, encouraging young people in agriculture, it's, you know, again, totally another topic, but um, we need it. I mean, holy moly, we need people on the farms. I mean, to rely on foreign labor, etc., cetera, uh, for our food source is, in the short term, maybe, but in the long term, we have to find a different way, I think. Anyway, like I say, it's that's another topic. <laughs> going forward anyway
0: yes i love spinning you up doug yeah you did very well (laughs) uh listen we uh i want to make sure that we're we're uh, respectful of your time so I, i i just want to thank you so much for for what you do for the community i mean you've uh your name comes up and people smile and say that's a good guy so uh I'm I'm glad that you're part of our community and and glad you made it through that game. Man, yeah, thank you. That yeah. was a tough one. So thanks so much to to Doug Sperling and good luck with the uh, the Coyotes. Thanks very much. Take care.